The truth is that the ministry of the church does depend on the financial support of God's people. So in a way, we do need you to be faithful in giving. But we're actually in a pretty good place at this moment in time. Last Sunday wrapped up the church calendar, and I am glad to be able to say to you that our giving exceeded our expenses for the past year. This is not because we're in a crisis. The real reason I address the issue of money with you today is because it is something that has the power to either bless or to stand in the way of God's blessing. It will either be a blessing to you or it will be a stumbling block. How you handle the resources that have been entrusted to you is vitally important to your well-being as well as that of your family. In fact, to illustrate this, let me share with you some scriptural statistics to you. This is not about the world in which we live today. It's simply what the Word of God says. Know that Jesus talked much about money. 16 of his 38 parables were concerned with how we handle money and our possessions. In the Gospels, An amazing one out of every 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. In the entirety of Scripture, there are more than 2,300 verses that deal with money, wealth, and our possessions. And besides the kingdom of God, the thing that Jesus spoke most often about was money. He wasn't like the prosperity gospel preachers of today who teach that everyone in the church can be a millionaire if you'll just give to the church. But he realized that the audience around him were incredibly affected by money. Either they had much of it or they had little to none. In either case, it had a significant impact on them. The same is true for us today. As we look over the next few weeks, we'll look at various aspects of our money. And today we begin with the need to put a plan in place regarding our financial responsibilities. Turn with me if you would. I know I had Josh read it to you earlier. Turn with me if you would to Luke chapter 14 verses 28 through 30, as we see specifically what Jesus said about our money and managing our money. This is what it says, beginning in verse 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Many years ago, I had the privilege of participating in a short-term mission trip to Jamaica. I know some of you are sitting there thinking, man, that sounds like such a difficult place to suffer for Jesus. But not every city in Jamaica is a resort city. We worked in a place called Danieltown. It's up on the side of a mountain, and there is no tourism industry where this place was. Nothing but poverty. 
We helped to lay the foundation on a new church building while holding revival services each evening. I will tell you, some of the revival services that we experienced there were amazing. Just to give you an example, there was one night as uh, I was a youth pastor, our senior pastor was there, he was going to be the preacher that night. Uh, we had a lady stand up to sing. She was from Danieltown, and everybody there knew her. And I'm going to tell you, as she began to sing, the thought that went through my mind is, oh, this is horrible. Her voice was not what you normally would expect from someone standing up in front of the church, but the Spirit moved in that service in a remarkable way. By the time she was done singing that song, the altars were full and the people were responding to God. The pastor didn't even have to get up and speak that night because revival was taking place without us. Sometimes God moves in a mighty way and he doesn't need us to make it happen. It was a great ministry that we were in, the conditions were incredibly rustic, in fact, probably more rustic than about anything you could ever imagine. Dirt floors that we stood on, a tarp stretched over the top of this so-called church building. One night, a storm came up, and all of a sudden, everyone became very friendly with one another as they huddled up away from the rain as all the holes in the tarps were being revealed. But right across the street from the church was a house that was still under construction. It was going to be an incredibly beautiful home. I remember asking the local pastor about the house, and he said that the house would never be completed. Apparently, the owner had come into a large sum of money and began the building process, but he failed to actually calculate the cost of building. He had run out of money already with no plan moving forward. How incredibly foolish. But this is exactly where Jesus' teaching begins today. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Duh. Of course you're going to do that. And we look at this guy in Jamaica and we think, what a fool. Yet I would suggest to you this morning that maybe we have more in common with this guy in Jamaica than we'd like to admit. Perhaps that's why statistics reveal that an overwhelming majority of Americans are living in debt. With between 25 and 35 percent of Americans no longer expecting to ever get out of debt before they die. In addition, we have the reality that 60 percent of Americans don't even have a budget, which doesn't include the many who have a budget yet fail to stick with that budget. Yet Jesus suggests that we would be foolish to live in such a way. So let's start here today. Do you have a budget? Remember that this is not about tithes and offering at this point. This is about us taking care of the resources that God has entrusted to us. Do you have a budget? 
Dave Ramsey, the founder and president of Financial Peace University, talks about a budget being a tool so that you can control your money instead of your money controlling you. Maybe this sounds too elementary to you, or maybe you think this is the sort of thing that we should be talking about in a small group, not on a Sunday morning. Well, the problem is that those statistics that I just shared with you are almost identical inside the church as they are outside the church. Those inside the church need to learn how to manage our money. So let me, in a very simple way, walk you through the budgeting process. I'm going to use an illustration this morning that I have used here before, but it has been four and a half years since I did so. So some of you are new, so this will be the first time you've ever seen it. Some of you forgot it one week after I was done with it. So it'll be the first time for you too. And the rest of you probably need a refresher anyways, but I'm going to use these boxes to help illustrate this this morning. If you will notice, there are books laying on the floor now because I apparently just had an accident there, but that's okay. I want to start this morning with your income. As you begin this process of trying to figure out your budget, the first thing you have to do is to identify the fact that you have a certain limited amount of money. Include all of your resources, all the money that comes in. Basically, as you do this, let's imagine that each one of these boxes is 10% of your income. Now, as you look at that, you're probably doing the math and you're thinking, Pastor, you figured wrong. There's actually 11 boxes, which means you've got 110% of your income. The reason for that is that most of us, when we don't set a budget, don't live on 100% of our income. We live on 110% of our income. And that's where we run into a red box. Because <laughs> what happens is so often we spend more money than what we actually have. And it's not because we're trying to do so. It's simply us trying to use the resources that are available to us. And sometimes we begin to use resources that really weren't available to us in the first place. Far too many of us have allowed more money to come out of our, income, uh, out of our expenses simply because we've never paid attention to what our income should be. Now begin to identify what your ex expenses should be. What are the things that you absolutely have to have? There are certain things that we need to be able to do. Forget about what you see behind it. There are certain things we have to spend money on. Example, we have, we have to pay taxes. You may not like doing it, but the fact is you're responsible to pay taxes. Jesus himself said, give unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. On one occasion, he's asked, should we pay our taxes? He tells his disciples, go and go fish. And as you go fish, the first fish you catch, I want you to open up its mouth and you'll find a gold drachma, basically a coin that was used in their day and time. Take it and go pay your taxes. I'm not asking if you like to pay your taxes. You have to pay your taxes. So as you begin to look at your expenses, begin with identifying the things that you have to have. You have to pay taxes. You have to take care of your housing. You got to have food that you, you need to budget for, you need to plan for. You have to pay for your insurance. You need to take care. You make your list. You add the things in there that you know that you absolutely have to have. I will say, I don't know if you notice, 
I'm, now, I'm not good with my colors. I can tell that there are different shades. I know they're all blue, okay? You may notice that all of these are blue. These are the things that you spend money on. These are your living expenses. I would look at this type of budget with 10 blue boxes, and I would say this is a paycheck-to-paycheck kind of budget. I think we all know what that's like. These are just ordinary living expenses. Now, I will say not everything in the blue boxes are have-to things. They're not things that we really need. Some of them are things we think we need, but we really just want them. By the way, the root of this is something called Parkinson's Law, which this law states that the more money you make, the more money you will spend. Let me give you an example of this. When I was growing up, we never had cable TV. Um, okay, some of you are thinking, well, well, duh, how long ago did you grow up? We were happy to have three channels. That was it. And that was when you had the rabbit ears on the back with the aluminum foil and somebody else standing beside it, holding it with their right leg in the air just to get the right signal. We were, we were happy with our three channels. Today, man, it's next to impossible to get anything without cable TV. So we think to ourselves, well, we really need satellite or cable television. But do we really? I mean, the reality is, I'm not sure we really need all of those things for entertainment. Recently, our family decided that we were going to go without cable TV, and we are just coming through the... Need, the need for support. I, I think we're going to make it. We're going to survive without uh, cable television. I remember when we told the kids we we're getting rid of Netflix and all that, they're looking at us like, well, what are we going to do? It is amazing. We're building relationships again, and we're a family, and occasionally we get the house clean. It, it's a blessing. It's incredible. But the things that we thought we needed, we really don't need. For some of you, it's not cable TV. It's not something like that. Maybe it's bottled water. Oh, man, you know what? i got to have bottled water because that's the, that's the water that I like. i got to tell you, the water that comes out of your tap is probably pretty good. But for most of us, we think, no, I, I really need to have this. For some of us, it's eating out. Man, i got to eat out. If I don't eat out, I it's just so hard. I heard someone say this, and I love this response. I really value a clean kitchen, so we eat out a lot. I love that response, but the truth is, <laughs> we really don't need to eat out all the time. It's good to eat out. I love being able to take my family out for a meal, but do you know how much it costs to take a family of five out for dinner? It's expensive, and the reality is there are things that we think that we really do need, but the truth is we probably don't need them as much as we think that we do. Of course, for many of us, the boxes are not always blue. For some of us, instead of a blue box, we have red boxes. You say, well, what's the difference between a blue box and a red box? A red box is a box that represents debt. It's us spending beyond what we have, and now we find ourselves having to make up the difference, and that was a very generous only one red box. Because for many of us, our debts far exceed even what we do with the blue boxes. Because what's happened is for so long we lived on that 110%, and we were trying so hard to live up to a certain standard, even though we really 
shouldn't have been living up to that standard. And now we find ourselves paying the price for trying to live up to that standard. I do recognize that not all debt is necessarily bad. But I also recognize that debt is a very dangerous thing. And it's something that truly is not recommended for anyone who is trying to manage their money. Listen to the words of Proverbs 22.7. This is not something that will be brand new to you, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of it. It says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So don't be content living in debt. What happens so often is we live to be able to pay somebody else, to be able to take care of them, when in reality we ought to be able to really use the resources God blessed us with so that we don't necessarily have to do that. There is a way out of debt, but it will require great discipline and it will require a budget. There are some other things that you would typically include in this. I'm not going to get into all of that today. Uh, one of the others is savings. We'll use a green box to be able to identify that in the coming weeks. Um, there is a gold box that we'll use, and this is where we're investing not just in our savings, but in giving. Uh, it's, it's something that belongs to God, being able to be generous with other people, and we will look at that in a future message. The point is, though, we need to begin by looking at our income, and then looking at our expenses. If you are spending less than what you have coming in, that's a good thing. If you are spending more than you have coming in, you have a problem. If you are not spending less than what is coming in, something needs to change. Either you make more money or you spend less money. That's as simple as it gets. But I need you to listen to me. It's not going to happen just because you say it's going to happen. I have met with so many families that are struggling financially, and they're trying to figure out what they can do to fix things. And often what I will hear is, okay, well, from this point forward, we're going to be better. And that sounds great. But if you don't put a plan to it, it will not happen. I'm not talking about people outside the church. The ones I meet with typically are those inside the church. We need to make this a priority. Now, don't want you to get me wrong. In the passage today, we can actually see that there is nothing necessarily bad about the fact that you spend money. You should know that God has given you various resources specifically for that reason. Use those resources to be responsible in the way you do it. Jesus tells a story of a rich master. As this master is preparing for a trip, he calls together three of his servants, and he gives each of these three servants a certain amount of money. Each one of them receives something different, which suggests that the master sort of had an idea as to what each one could handle. More than likely, he has dealt with these individuals before. He knows that some of them have shown themselves to be more responsible than others. The first one, he chooses to give five talents to. Now, talent is not a, an ability. It's not like playing uh, the piano or something like that. A talent in their culture was basically a day's wage. So the master, as he looks at this servant, he says, I'll give you five talents. I'm going to go on this journey. When I come back, I will expect you to give an account of what you've done with it. He gives another one two talents. And then he gives a third one, one talent. 
he goes on his trip, he comes back, and immediately he expects his servants to give an account of what they've done. Know this, that master entrusted those talents to each of those individuals, expecting it to be used. The first one comes in and he has had a very productive time. He has taken the five talents, he has put it to good use, and he now has ten talents. And the master is very well pleased. Good job. That's fantastic. And he celebrates the servant. He goes to the second one who received two talents, and he too has been productive. So productive that he has doubled his money as well. Instead of just two now, he has four talents. The master celebrates his servant. You have been faithful with what you have been given. Great job. And then the third one comes in. The third one who received only one talent says, I knew that you were a harsh master. I knew that you were very demanding. And I was afraid that I might lose your money, so I took it. And I buried it in the sand because I didn't want to lose it. So here it is. I still have it. The master is furious. You know, the master could have taken that coin with him. He could have taken that talent with him. If he wasn't going to do anything with it anyways, he could have just taken it with him. He didn't need to leave it. The master is furious. I had given this to you, expecting it to be used. The least you could have done was to take it and invest it, and at least you could have got the interest back on it. The reality is that the master has given much to each of us. In the case here in this parable that Jesus is telling, the master becomes angry, orders that the talent be taken away from the one who received one. Give it to the one who now has 10, so now he's going to have 11. Then he orders that the lazy servant who had not put the money to good use even be kicked out. I suggest to you today that our master expects us to be good with the possessions which he has entrusted to us to make sure that we're using it in a good way. It's not a bad thing that you choose to spend money, but make sure that you use it in a way that honors God. Everything you have was given to you by God. Every possession, every dollar, every opportunity, even every relationship that you have, put it to good use. Now we're getting away from money. It's not just about money. Everything that you have was given to you by God. When we talk about stewardship, it is not just about financial stewardship. God has blessed you more than you could ever imagine. As he has given you those blessings, you must use them in a way that honors him. Put it to good use. In our original passage back in Luke chapter 14, verse 28 to 30, Jesus does not object to an individual using his resources to build. He simply notes that it needs to be done wisely. There needs to be a plan. And again, I'm not just talking about with money now. In Luke 12, Jesus said, To whom has been given much, much will be required. Certainly there is a financial component to this. 
but we have been given much and we now need to be good stewards with what we have received, whether it's money or it's something else. The last thing that I will say this morning is this. Failure to be a good steward will always result in regret and shame. In Jesus' address here in Luke chapter 14, Jesus says that the person will be ridiculed for his or her lack of stewardship because they didn't plan. They started the process and basically they didn't think it through. In Jesus' address, he is calling out specifically those who have finances and they're blowing it. It's like all the professional athletes that make so much money. They're making millions of dollars. Yet they find themselves in financial ruin just a few years down the road. We look at them and we say to ourselves, you had it all. You had everything you needed, but you've wasted it. But it's not even just that we will be ridiculed by others for our waste. We actually look upon ourselves and we're filled with personal regret. I'm not talking about what other people do to ridicule us, but we look with personal regret. What was I thinking? I had so much opportunity, so much potential, but I've wasted it. From a financial perspective, let me start by asking you what, you, what are you doing with what God has entrusted to you? not saying that you can't have your bottled water or that you can't eat out every once in a while. I'm just asking you to evaluate what kind of difference you're making with what you've been given. Maybe you've wasted some resources. Maybe there's already some regret and shame. I don't know. Maybe right now you're making $50,000 a year and you're thinking, man, I, I could be doing an awful lot with this. Are you doing it? Are you being a good steward with what you have? Maybe today you have some regret and shame. What will you do with the resources that you currently have at your disposal? Not what you've done already in the past, but from this moment forward. Will you add to the regret and shame? A year down the road, will you look back and say, well, you know what, I'm in no better place than what I was last year at this same point. I'll tell you, when I turned 46, I am 46 years old. I was actually three days before my 46th birthday. I looked in the mirror and I thought, it is time to do something about your body. And I have begun to exercise and to eat a little bit better because my goal is to be different by the time I turn 47. I'm serious. I, I want to physically be in a much better place than what I was on my 46th birthday. Well, financially... We ought to be able to do the same thing. Take a snapshot of where you are financially. What are your financial goals? How are you doing with it? Are you achieving those? And if you're not, how are you going to be any different next year? Do you still want the same regret where you're looking back and thinking, man, I have wasted opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Do you want that same regret next year? Do you want to be able to look back and say, I am accomplishing the things that God wants me to accomplish. I am being a good steward. I am using the resources he gave me in a way that honors him. Or are you content with the regret and the shame that comes with it? Maybe today you need to come up with a budget 
Maybe you need to spend less money. Maybe you need to make more money. Just know that regardless of what you do, you have a responsibility to be a good steward with what you have. Now I'm going to move away from financial, from a strictly spiritual perspective. Let me ask you what you're doing with the many things that God has entrusted to you. If you're a person of influence, what are you doing with it? If you have gifts and abilities, what are you doing with them? If you have great physical health, how are you using it for Christ? If you have a strong spiritual heritage, how are you replicating it? What are you doing with the things that God has chosen to bless you with? You've got enough shame and regret regarding your wasted opportunities of the past. Don't create anymore. It is time to use the resources at your disposal so that you can make a difference for Christ. He didn't give you those things just so you could bury them in the sand. He gave you those things so that you could put them to use, so that you could make a difference. He could have taken them with him. He didn't have to give it to you. He chose to give it to you because he trusted you with it. What will you do with it? I referenced Luke chapter 12 earlier where Jesus says, to whom has been given much, much will be required. It is time to become the steward that God expects you to be. Financially, yeah, that's a part of it. But spiritually, we got to go beyond that. God has blessed us more than we could ever deserve. What will you do with his blessing? I'm asking everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we recognize that you have been very generous to us. You have been faithfully generous to us. Lord, I pray right now that you would help us to respond to your generosity with good stewardship. Where we have been wasteful, Lord, I pray that you would bring forgiveness Maybe this doesn't seem like something that needs forgiveness, but it certainly carries with it shame. And I look at this, and I think we do need to be forgiven, for we have been wasteful. Lord, I pray that you would help us to use the resources you have entrusted to us in such a way that this world could be changed. Lord, I pray financially that we would be faithful to use our finances for your glory. But I pray that you'd help us to go beyond just our money. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to look at our heritage, look at our opportunities, look at the gifts and the talents, look at the relationships that we have, look at all of the things that we have been blessed with. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be good stewards, to use it in a way that truly we could change the world. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to have to look back a year from now with the same regret and shame, thinking to ourselves, if only I had made better use of what I had. Lord, make us like the first servant or even the second servant who chose to use the resources given in a way that would honor his master. 
may we also be like that. Again, we thank you for your grace. We look forward to seeing how you work in us. May we be people that are in a position worthy of blessing. Make us responsible stewards. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I do thank each of you for being with us this morning. I want to challenge you. We're going to be looking at finances specifically over this next month. But it's not, as you saw today, all going to be about tithes and offering. We need to be good stewards, and I want to challenge you to do your part in that. As we do, I believe that God will continue to bless. He's already blessed you more than you deserve. What, you, what will you do with what he blesses you with moving forward? Thank you for being with us, and go in peace.